Lucas on Life. I'm Jeff Lucas. This is Lucas on Life. We're asking the question, how can we point people to God? Thanks to a recent trip to the cinema, I now know what those green-headed folks who live on other planets do with their spare time. It had never previously occurred to me that extraterrestrials would need hobbies, that there might be stamp collectors and train spotters, or the cosmic equivalents thereof, out there in outer space. But Mel Gibson's portrayal of an ex-priest in the movie Signs has changed all that. Apparently, E.T. and his pals get their kicks by furtively landing their spacecraft in remote rural locations at night time and then have delirious fun carving elaborate patterns, crop circles, in cornfields. The designs are intricate and look particularly attractive from the air, but the sad truth is this. Folks from other galaxies obviously need to get out more. Their extracurricular activities amount to little more than agricultural vandalism. Let's weep for our distant friends. They may be able to leap around the universe at warp speed, but obviously they haven't yet got strictly. If they had, then they'd stop messing around with all those fields and giving poor old Farmer Giles hypertension. But there's supposed to be a deeper purpose in all of this serial graffiti. The thesis of the film, Signs, and of those who believe that crop circles bear the signatures of non-humans, is that these geometrically beautiful patterns are signs that point us to the reality of life that is beyond our own. Our friendly local Martians aren't just scribbling at random, they believe. They are producing hints that there is something more beyond us. Come to think of it, the God of the universe has a similar strategy. Longing to point the way home to a culture of lost souls, he too wants them to be able to read the signs. Sometimes the sign is a miracle, an explosive, brilliantly fluorescent firework, like a sudden healing or a corpse raised to life. Most of us would love to see more of those firework displays. I hear that God often lights the blue touch paper in far-off lands, but I long for him to spin a few Catherine wheels here in the UK. But it seems that much of the time, God has more subtle, perhaps potentially more convincing signs. Just recently, driving here in northern Colorado, I saw an ingenious marketing device, the human sign. Wanting to shortcut red tape and evade high billboard charges, a developer pays people to stand on the street corner holding a large arrow that points to the show home that is open for viewing. When the showing is over, the human signs pack up and go home. Very clever. But not very original. Because God thought of the idea first. It has always been his plan to use human signs. Your life and my life distincting, arresting and illuminating because of the quality, integrity, love and laughter that are supposed to be our hallmarks as followers of the one who calls himself the way, the truth, the life. I've occasionally heard Christians tell those who don't believe, they say, don't look at us, look at Jesus. Forgive me, but that's bunk. How else is someone who is meandering around in the fog of lostness supposed to see the invisible Jesus, except by bumping into a life that is resolutely under the command of that same king? And then, as human signs, we are occasionally permitted to speak, to give a verbal explanation for this new wine life that has been handed to us on grace's platter. So join me in praying today 
that our lives will drop a hint, stir a thought, and maybe even be a direct pointer that leads people to focus on Jesus, who is daily scribbling on the canvas, the canvas of us. We are called to be living signs that make people wonder as they catch a glimpse of the symmetry and geometry that the loving order of God brings. That realisation itself can bring a sense of identity to our more tedious Monday mornings. We are called to live lives that can be read by the blind. And if there are any wandering, crop-circling extraterrestrials listening to this, then do yourself and us a big favour. Phone home. Hi, I'm Sam Hales. If you're enjoying Lucas on Life, you'll love the Profile podcast. Every week, we sit down with a leading Christian to find out more about their life, faith, and testimony. Here's Joyce Mayer. Anything that we give up for God, He gives it back to us multiplied so many, many times over. I encourage anybody to make whatever sacrifices they need to to be in the perfect will of God because there's no better place to be. Listen to the full interview with Joyce Mayer now on the Profile podcast. Just search for The Profile wherever you get your podcasts from or visit premierchristianradio.com forward slash The Profile. I'm Jeff Lucas. This is Lucas on Life here on Premier Christian Radio. Airline seats are designed for people with only one buttock. Trust I don't offend by using that term. It is a correct biological term. I have a full set of two buttocks. Oops, I said it again. I squeeze both of them into the seat on a flight bound for Manchester and search quickly for the missing end of the seatbelt, which had mysteriously disappeared beneath the person sitting next to me, who apparently had been blessed with no less than five buttocks. I buckled up with a comforting click and sighed with relief. I planned to make full use of the short one-hour flight, time to read, nap, think, maybe pray. I took out my book a Christian book, and the aeroplane took off, and the flight attendants began their eager distribution of salted peanuts, ideal fodder for the dehydrated environment of an aeroplane. Suddenly, I became aware of the man sitting next to me, staring over my shoulder at my book page. I had become intimately acquainted with him momentarily in my seatbelt search, but hadn't really noticed him. Lobbing another peanut into his mouth, he spoke. "'Why are you reading?' My brain leapt into gear, swiftly considering a suitable response. In a millisecond, I contemplated the fact that my response should not be a cringy, in-your-face retort. It is, in fact, a Christian book, my friend, which leads me to ask, are you aware of your final resting place, should this fragile aircraft plunge to the earth and be consumed in a ball of white-hot heat? I've been preaching a lot about the need for Christians to be thoughtful and sensitive witnesses for Christ. In my early years as a believer... I was so keen to witness that I would jerk any and every conversation around to the subject of God. Would you like a cheese sandwich, Jeff? No, thank you, for I have the bread of life. So how could I answer this man's question concerning my reading material with subtlety? I cleared my throat and responded, It's a book. The man gave me a look that he had probably not used since the sad day when he discovered that he'd been created with a bottom extension. Yes, I noticed that. What kind of book is it? Panic. How could I now proceed to disclose the subject of my reading without giving my fellow passenger the impression that he was parked next to an evangelical Hare Krishna? Um, it's a uh, Christian book. When you say the word Christian very, very quickly, it comes out through pursed lips as Christian. Really, about what exactly? Um, I said, it's about good 
The same principle applies to God, mouthed at speed. You get good. Right then, so what do you do for a living? He pressed on with the interrogation. Every muscle in my body immediately locked tight with tension. Um, I, uh, I, I teach, I said, and inwardly congratulated myself on the answer, which sounded so much better than minister, vicar, or church leader. So you're a teacher then, he replied, instantly vaporising my sense of self-congratulation and causing fresh sweat to break out on my brow. No, I, I'm not. I, um, I, I preach, I, I teach uh, about, about God. And feeling a sense of boldness in my heart, I added, I'm going to a Christian meeting tonight to speak. I settled back into my seat and my interrogator went quiet, at least momentarily. And what exactly will you say to the people about God at tonight's meeting, he ventured. So I told him. He didn't cast aside his peanuts, hurl himself headlong onto the floor and cry out for forgiveness, but he did listen and ask a few questions. And I had a wonderful opportunity to spend some quality time passing on the great news of the love of God. But after I got off the flight, it occurred to me that that poor man had almost had to resort to torture and threat in order to get the gospel out of me. I was so determined to be laid back and inoffensive that I'd lost the eagerness to pass on the news that sometimes delights and, yes, sometimes offends. Is it possible that we've lost sight of that issue called eternity and the edge and urgency which that message conveys? In a reaction against pie-in-the-sky theology, with our emphasis on the kingdom being now, have we lost sight of the reality that we have a message that is bigger than life and death? Has the salt lost its savour? Years ago, Elton John did a nice job at the funeral of Diana, Princess of Wales. But with half the population of planet Earth tuning in by television, some in the Christian church who serve Jesus who calls himself the light of the world, some were concerned that billions of people were presented with a flickering, vague candle in the wind. They may be right, they may be wrong, but really, who are we to point the finger of criticism if we are not willing ourselves to stick our beacon high on a hill and pass on the good news with clarity and compassion and relevance and turn the light on the light that points people to God. Hi, I'm Sam Hales. If you're enjoying Lucas on Life, you'll love the Profile podcast. Every week, we sit down with a leading Christian to find out more about their life, faith, and testimony. Here's Justin Welby. Part of my daily prayer discipline is praying in tongues every day, and not as a sort of occasional thing, but as just part of daily prayer. Listen to the full interview with Justin Welby now on The Profile Podcast. Just search for The Profile wherever you get your podcast from or visit premierchristianradio.com forward slash The Profile. We're talking about pointing people to God, evangelism. That's a stun grenade of a word, isn't it? Guaranteed to make some Christians feel guilty whenever it's mentioned. I mean, as a shame inducer, the word evangelism is like that other word that normally makes us Christians duck, prayer. As a preacher, I'm occasionally tempted to imply that I pray more than I do. I was in prayer earlier this morning, friends. I gently murmur, my face a saintly mask, and with one sentence, I imply that I awakened the dawn and the cat with hours of fervent intercession. Actually, 
only muttered two sentences to God while searching for the tea bags, one of which was, Lord, where's the tea bags? Crimson-faced Christians cringe, feeling quite undone in the presence of such a mighty prayer warrior as I. The word evangelism creates a similar crisis. We know, don't we, that we've got epic news to share and so we can live in unending neurosis that we're not doing enough to get the word out. My early years as a Christian were spent on the edge of agitation. Surely I had to talk about Jesus right now with the milkman, with the bloke who sat next to me on the bus or the plane, with all my friends, with my family and the lady behind the fish counter in Sainsbury's. I went on the offensive, quite literally, lambasting my parents with their dire need for rescue from Armageddon, but never quite living out the message by tidying my bedroom, which looked like Armageddon. Every conversation became a desperate monologue as I frantically searched to get to the part about opening the door to Jesus, which must have been quite unnerving for my victims. Have you ever been in the presence of a wide-eyed washing machine salesman who implies that unless you decide to purchase that Sudmaster 3GI Turbo with microwave-assisted dryer right now, that his wife and children are going to starve to death if he doesn't make the sale? I have, and I didn't buy it. And neither did my pressurised friends buy the gospel, as it were, at least for the most part. I even resorted to some vaguely fraudulent strategies of evangelism because Kay, my wife and I, would knock on people's doors with a couple of clipboards in hand, insisting that we were conducting a survey about religious beliefs, which we weren't. We did write their responses down on a piece of paper, but it was quickly discarded later. But then I did a pendulum swing away from ever talking about God, insisting that I just needed to live the life. St Francis of Assisi is often unhelpfully quoted in this regard because he instructed us to preach the gospel and use words if necessary. Actually, that's a quotation that is taken completely out of context. In fact, it's a misquotation. He didn't say that. And often he would travel from village to village in one day sharing lots of words about Jesus. And then in addition to that, Francis gave everything he had to the poor. His life and his words were conversation starters. When it comes to evangelism, pointing people to God, I want to be totally available to listen, to talk, to care. We are not like the Blues Brothers on a mission from God. Rather, we're with him in his mission. Boldness, yes, it will still be required, but I want to get caught up in what he's doing rather than desperately trying to make something happen. Jesus didn't make waves. If I can put it like this, he surfed the waves that the Father made. One thing is certain, I want to point people to God, but I'm never going back to thoughtless monologues where you memorize a script in order to get the message across. Mindless parroting is never good, as I learned when I phoned a customer service phone number recently. The company that provides my landline and has been promising me a new internet router for six months, shall be nameless, but I've spent a lot of time talking to them recently. The lovely lady in customer care started into her script. Your wife, a Mrs Lucas, is the primary account holder. Is she there with you? Yes, she is, I affirmed. And, Mr Lucas, are you your wife's husband? Staggered, I responded, Uh, yeah, that's why she called my wife. 
She was reading a script. We're not called to do that, but we are called to live lives that provoke questions. Let's speak about Christ with kindness and clarity. And when it comes to evangelism, for heaven's sake, let's be more than just talk. Lucas on Life.